0: And I collapsed to the floor, like I was like, what, babe, how did this happen? And she was like, what do you mean how did this happen? I was just so shocked and overwhelmed. I'm not going to be able to control what happens to me, but I can control how I react and how I respond and how I think. Hey, welcome to the Paul cast. I'm sitting here with my friend, Zach Bernatsky, who oversees all of our church creative media um, and we've just been talking on this podcast, podcast, about life, ministry, this new book I wrote, first book ever, uh, parenting, all of that stuff. So, Zach, I'll kind of let you kick it off with questions, and we'll jump right in.
1: Well, you know, everything we've been doing has been so focused on this Mind Games release, the book push, um, but there's a whole other side of life you're not just an author you're a pastor you're a father you're a husband yes, and sir. so you know i think we want to talk a little bit about even just family life and you know i've been off instagram for a little bit haven't been seen quite as much as what's going on with the family how so. does that feel by the way
0: taking a break from instagram
1: oh, your mental and emotional health it's great Come off. Can I, can would I you th- suggest it to other people out there? Oh, I would so suggest it. It's so freeing, and it. But it's actually crazy. You don't realize how attached you get to it. Mm. Um, when I first took the app off my phone, I would be walking. Every time I'd walk down a hallway, sit, have like a just space and yeah. to do nothing, free time. I would naturally go and click the spot where the Instagram app was, even wow. when it wasn't on my phone. I would just talk about ha- a mind game. Yeah, habitually, just open my phone, it's hit programmed. it. Programmed. Yeah. And so I'm like, wow, maybe this that was a sign that I really needed it. And so it's been nice. What do you do um, now during that free time? Just like let your mind yeah, like, be creative or yeah, just read or it's what, whether it's listen to mind games. Or, games. Listen <laughs> to mind games. Whether it's reading, um, being able to focus more throughout the day on my work, yeah at at home, engage like actually just hanging out and with my wife. And even just if it's silence, just hanging out there, it's like, okay, yeah. it's there's no longer this need. And I think Two, it's helped with that, that we talked last week about the comparison trap. Mm. It's helped me not do that. I don't like Yeah, you get on there and you see so, you know, at 30 years old, I see so many other 30 year olds and what they're doing. And you're like, am I doing what they're doing? Should like, should I be where they're at? And it's just this big comparison trap. And so for me, it's. The freedom, to be like, you know, I, I'm where God's placed me to be, and I'm running my own race, mm. and I'm not so much worried about someone else. Yeah, I'm just focused on what God's placed in front of me. So so good, so much freedom in that. If if I would encourage it, if you feel like you should, just delete Take it, delete everything, jump off it. Even now, I'm like, I don't even know if I'll ever go back at the same level. Wow. Like, I I. Uh, maybe on like my desktop check it once a week look at dms yeah checking on a few people but yeah I, I don't know if i'll ever go back at the level i was
0: you know i'll say this and then we can jump into more stuff but um about eight years ago 2015 a, a pastor challenged me one month a year to take a sabbatical But this sabbatical would not just be a break from leading meetings, preaching and coming into work and being at all the services. But the sabbatical was also a break from the attachments to social media and ministry on social media and constantly being available and accessible through email text. So he said, my suggestion is one month a year when you take this break, switch to a flip phone, use the flip phone for Mm -hmm. 30 days. Don't go to the iPhone give your iPhone to somebody else or go to the, you know, cell phone store and just say, Hey, I want to switch to a flip phone. Let them keep it. And then just say, you're going to come back and get it. So I did, I did that back in 2015 and I started doing it every year and it is like the best detox. It's hard. Mm-hmm. Cause the flip phone has nothing except for like snake on it. Like there's no <laughs> games. You remember the old snake game? I do, yeah. There's no, there's no Tetris. There's no fun games. There's no email. Like it's, it, you know, not even a BlackBerry. It's a flip phone. Literally, you just use it to call. And texting requires like 20 minutes. It's predictive texting. Yep. So you're pressing numbers. You have nine numbers to type out a text message. And each number has three letters. But you got to press it a couple times to get, you know, your text message in there. So I'm like, I hate texting on a flip phone. But what it did for my mental health, what it does every year. I did it again last year. I'll do it again this year. And I typically do it after Easter. I do it sometime between like May and August is I'll pick a month and sometimes I'll go longer than a month. I'll be like, this is so good. I want to go six or seven weeks on a flip phone. Um, but I think it's awesome that you're doing it. Uh, coming back to your question about family life and posting on Instagram recently. Yes. The book came out. Um, we've now been a week as you're listening to this, we've been a week out with this new book. Um, I did the book release launch with Mike Todd, which I talked about that on the last episode. It was so good to have a friend in ministry, a pastor in ministry that I'm tight with, who is very successful, and he's also very encouraging and very secure in himself and just a celebrator of people. And it was cool to sit on stage, talk about our friendship, our story, um, and then afterwards sign books. And There was, I was shocked. I walked out in the lobby thinking maybe 10 people would, would want me to sign their book, Oh, sir. but there was like 150 people waiting yep. in line and it lasted for two hours. And I was like, wow, it just made me feel one, like I really am grateful for the love and the support of our church family. <laughs> two, I really feel like there are people out there who needed this book and who are going to benefit greatly from the testimony and the scripture and the teaching on winning the battle game winning the battle in their minds uh, but with that one thing that was cool was my kids they loved this book release just as much as you know their daddy does So they wanted to go to Barnes & Noble. They wanted to go and buy books. They wanted to give books out. They wanted to stay for the signing after the release party. They showed up. They were wearing their mind games, beanies and hats. And they were like, Dad, we're going to help you sell this book. And we're going to get it out there to our friends in the world. And, you know, half of my kids don't know how to read. Um, More than half. Only one or two of them actually know how to read. And so we have five kids. But it has definitely been a family um, rallying Of me and Ashley and and the five kids and going to the bookstore. And then I had promised our oldest son, it was his birthday this month. So I promised him for his birthday. He asked me two weeks ago, daddy, would you take me camping um, in the month of January And would you take me and my brothers and a couple of my buddies camping and we'll go stay out in the woods, go out to Camp Victory. And if you're watching this, Camp Victory is a part of our ministry. It's like 60 miles from Tulsa or maybe 40 miles from Tulsa. It's out in the wilderness. It's 100 plus acres of woods, forest, lake, creeks, you know, a little bit of a river um, and some caves and stuff. And then there's cabins out there. But He asked me, so I said, yes, I'll do that. He was like, let's do it, you know, the weekend of Martin Luther King Jr. Day because there's no school that day, so we could go on Sunday night after church, which I didn't think about two weeks ago, that I would be coming off of one of the most busy weeks of my life of releasing a book, also the week that our church is doing a conference, and on a Sunday after preaching all day that I had committed, I'm going to take him, his brothers, and his buddies camping, And you know, I didn't have any nap after church. I was so tired, (laughs) but I kept the promise. The only problem was I had no clue it was going to drop in temperature. And so if you're watching this, um, we had zero degree temperatures happen this past weekend in Tulsa and snow, like tons of snow, ice. It was freezing. And I was like, there's no way we are sleeping in a tent when it's zero degrees. So I convinced Liam and the boys, uh, we'll still do the camping, we'll still do a bonfire and hiking and exploring outside, but we're going to sleep in a cabin, thank God. Praise God. <laughs> Camp Victory has cabin. So we did that whole thing. It was super uh, fun and wild, and I didn't get any sleep at all. But it was, you know, it's part of part of raising kids, being a pastor, being now an author, is that you have to constantly balance, am I spending too much time over here? Um, I know there's some people who spend a ton of time with their family and kids and no time on the purpose and dream that God's called them to fulfill, like if it's, you know, a business or a book or stuff. And I think we can do both. I think the reality is, um, and I should say this, maybe the purpose and the dream for someone out there is to spend all their time with their kids and to that be their main focus. And I don't know where they, you know have income but they, they figure out a way to do that but I do think the reality is for a lot of us we have to work a job we have to have some sort of income to take care of these kids but we also have to spend time with the kids and there's that balance of like how do I work my job uh, for pastors how do I focus on preaching pastoring people being there for others their funerals their weddings uh, their hospital visits Uh, counseling people, but also make time for my kids at the end of the day, playing games with them, going on a camp out with them, and how do I make time for a date night with my wife every week? So it is a balance, and thank God we're in a season right now where we have, I believe, a healthy balance of family time during the week. I don't really spend time with like close friends during the week anymore. I used to do that a lot, but once our fifth child was born, we kind of transition into the season where it's like our free time really goes with our kids. And then outside of that, we might go on a date, double date night with other couples every now and then. I may, you know, get together with a group of guys and play pickleball and basketball every now and then. But majority of my free time is going to be with my kids and with Ashley. Her and I always have a date night or a date day during the week. And that allows us to just keep our rhythm, our balance. Uh, when this book came out, eight days ago, prior to the book coming out, there was this buildup of like talking with the publisher. Hey, you're going to have to do these podcasts. You're going to have to show up at these places. You're going to have to constantly be on your phone, ready to talk with people who want to sell this book in their bookstore, whatever, all that stuff. But one thing I told them, I said, one thing I'm not going to sacrifice is my time with my family. So whatever that looks like, I'm bring my family with me. I'll bring them to book release party or if I'm going to speak out of town and it's like multiple times in a row, I'm going to bring the family with me to speak out of town or whatever that looks like bringing Ashley. So I think it's a balance. I don't know if I answered your question. I know I'm just rambling a little bit here.
1: No, that's that's great. I I mean, it's cool to see, and I've seen the, the kids join you through all this. And Liam was manning the bookstore uh, yeah. when we were there. He was, he was helping display the books, and it was so cool to see them just out there hanging out. But you have five kids. Yes, sir. So not only are you balancing everything here, you know, spending time with Ashley, it's not just one kid you're making time for. It's yeah. five of them. And <laughs> they all crave me. they all, like, like, Daddy, when do I get
0: one-on-one <laughs> time with you? And I'm like... Lord, give me grace and patience.
1: Now let's that let's dive into that right okay. there, one on one. How do you how do you make and how it, whether it's you know practical tips or yeah. thought process? How do you make sure each kid feels that spe- that specific and intentional mm. love versus you know just hanging out with all of them? How do you make each one feel individually um, like they're building that one on one relationship with their dad?
0: I think it takes a lot of intentional effort you know Ashley and I both come from big families she grew up in a family where there was 4 kids in her family I grew up with 4 kids in our family you grew up with 14 kids in your family <laughs> so you absolutely know sharing your mommy and daddy with your siblings um is not always fun and you can kind of get a little bit jealous a little bit like comparison why is daddy spending more time with you know, this sibling, or why is mommy always this person? When am I going to get a chance to hang out with my mom and dad? And as we get older, we become more secure, and we don't need it. But um, these kids at this age, our oldest is 10, and our youngest is 2. So we have a 10-year-old, 8-year-old, 5-year-old, 4-year-old, and a 2-year-old. And they all want mom and dad constantly. And at nighttime, it gets really hard because we'll lay one down – And then we'll go to lay down the other one. And they're like, you're spending more time in their room than you spent in my room. And I'm like, hey, listen, everybody is valuable. Everybody is loved the same. And they're like, you say that, but you spent more time with Mac. And you didn't spend enough time with me. And you sang him a song. You didn't sing me a song. And I'm like, okay. So everybody gets a song or a prayer or a Bible story or, you know, just trying to spend that time. And and then monitoring which kid is going through something and and trying to figure out okay um like this past week I recognized one of our kids was having a lot of emotional meltdowns and I was like what is happening Uh, because this is not normal and realizing they just needed rest but they also needed a little bit of alone time with me or Ashley to lean in. And so we, I grew up with a dad who wrote books about parenting. He wrote a book called raising kids, raising, uh, kids God's
1: way. Yeah. Something like that. Raising
0: kids, the way the, like something about raising kids for the Lord champions for God. So he would always teach about parenting, which Mm -hmm. I was blessed to hear about that. Um, but after he passed away, you know, I didn't have kids when he was teaching about it. I was his kid. So I was like, thankfully I got to see a good model of a dad who pastored people, but spent time with his family. And I wasn't a jaded pastor's kid that was like, my dad sacrificed his family on the altar of ministry. It was kind of different. He he sacrificed his own self mm. on the altar of loving his family and loving the church. And he did die young. He died at 57 years old. Um, but I also am thankful that he gave so much of himself to our family he was always there for I say always there I'm sure he missed certain things but he was there often for sports games piano recitals camp outs uh you know missions trips he wanted to be there with us and he didn't have a lot of like friends his own age that he would just go and do stuff with so he did it with me and my brother or he would do it with my sisters and and my brother and I and I think that was um I didn't understand at that time I was like why doesn't dad have like a bunch of best friends and now that i'm a dad i'm like i get it once you start to build a relationship with your kids they are like they kind of take that place of needing to be hanging out with all these people because you're like i love all these people but i really want to spend time with my kids and my family and disciple them and hang out with them and have fun memories together and you don't lose all your close friends but you just you start to realize where the priority really needs to be, um, and so yeah, it's it's a journey of figuring out who needs alone time when, and then what to do in that alone time. For one of them, they like to go fishing, so when we go when we have alone time, I'll take this one fishing. For another one, he wants to go to the arcade, so we'll we'll go to main event where there's like some arcade games, and we'll play arcade games. Or one of them likes. Uh, you know our daughter she loves princess tea parties so for her if i sit down for 30 minutes and pretend like i'm drinking tea with her (laughs) there's nothing in the cup but i'm just like yes this tea is delicious
1: It's amazing
0: yeah (laughs) um and she'll dress up in a dress and me telling her she looks beautiful you know that means a lot to the kids and and honestly it fills my tank too because i'm like i enjoy this i enjoy seeing them feel loved so
1: yeah you, I remember you telling, you've told this story a lot within service, but you, the last one was a surprise. Yes. It was kind of like, oh boy, here we go. Yes. But you've also talked about how it was an, out of that came an unexpected blessing. Yeah. And so I'd love to hear a little bit more just about that blessing of being a father, what's brought to your life. And maybe even from that example of what a blessing it is to be a father of five kids.
0: Yes, it is it's a lot, but it's good. It's a blessing. And it's also like a testing. (laughs) I was going to try to rhyme with that. Um, parenting will, will reveal all your selfishness and will reveal all your weaknesses. And, you know, my kids ask me questions every single day that I don't have the answers to. And that also is sad because I'm like, I want to give them all these answers. I want to be perfect but I'm not and Mm -hmm. so parenting really does get you to a place of surrender to the Lord and I think this is why I've seen people leave church hurt in middle school high school or not middle school but like high school college like there's people who deconstruct and they'll walk away from God and church but once they have a child they're 28 29 27 30 31 I see them come back to church and I'll say what brought you back to church and they'll go now that I'm a parent I realize how much I need God's help. Wow. When I was, when I was a single, when I was a young professional, I, I thought I could do this. I don't need church. I don't need God. I don't need community. But now that I have a daughter, I got to get back to church. Well, now that I have a son. So um, coming back to your question, uh, we had four kids back to back to back to back. And it was uh, when the fourth one came, I was like, praise God. We're complete. It's done. This is good. COVID had just happened. So um, I was scheduled to get everything taken care of. So that way we wouldn't have kids anymore. And I don't know if this is going to go down in here, but um, because COVID started canceling all these hospital visits and procedures that weren't major, uh, my thing got canceled. And so I I didn't (laughs) think anything would happen. but uh we got pregnant with our fifth kid (laughs) and when i found out when ashley told me during the middle of covid as our church was like going through a lot of busyness and constantly doing things and we had just gotten our heads above water our fourth baby was the last one in diapers and she was like this close to being done with diapers and ashley comes to me and it's like hey um we're pregnant and i collapsed to the floor like i was like what and then she came down to the floor she was like she was like i know i feel overwhelmed too and i was like babe how did this happen and she was like what do you mean how did this happen <laughs> it happened the same way that all these other things happen i was like you know i was just so shocked and overwhelmed and um, because i felt like we couldn't afford a fifth baby not just financially but energy wise and just time wise i was like oh my goodness this is this is a lot on top of everything else here and all the other areas of ministry. And just, yeah, I felt, I felt not ready for it. I felt like, um, this is going to throw off everything. And I also was like roller coasters. I don't know why this is a big deal to me. I was like, we have six people. That's even numbers. Everybody has someone to ride next to on a roller coaster. Uh, a car, normal cars can maybe hold six people. Everybody's got a seat. But I was like, now with seven like we're going to have to get a huge minivan and we're going to have to find a way to like, we might have to get one of those big long bus vans that people drive. And I was just literally jumping to all these things. And, and honestly the Holy spirit was like, Paul, you're missing out on this moment of celebration and you're missing out on the fact that there's people around you that are believing to get pregnant and you're not seeing the gift and the blessing that I'm Mm -hmm. giving you right now. And honestly, it, convicted me led me to a place of repentance and when our fifth baby was born and we became a family of seven instead of a family just of six god gave us the name grace gianna grace and god told us like five is a number of grace that number means grace and this baby's going to bring grace into your family and she truly did it was like the perfect fit into the family gianna just makes everything in our house like more graceful and she's so sweet and I dropped her off this morning in our staff nursery care and she gives me this big hug and she's happy and like she's been a a huge blessing. But sometimes in life we get, you know, surprised by things. We aren't ready for it. And I think one of the things I talk about in mind games, I wish I had the book with me. I don't have it right now. I got the hat. If you haven't gotten the book Mind Games, get it. Because of what I'm about to tell you. Um, get the book physically if you can, or do the audible audiobook. I read it and you can even put it on speed, like 1.5, if you want to listen to it quick. Um, but I share in a chapter about anxiety and I talk about some moments in my life where I went into racing thoughts of panic, anxiety. And one of those moments was when we found out we were pregnant with our fifth child. And I talk about in the book, how all of humanity, we're all tempted to, run with thoughts about how is God going to provide? How am I going to get through this? How are we going to have enough time or energy? What's going to happen here? And we can jump to these worst case scenarios, these what ifs. And the Bible teaches on worry and anxiety and how it affects you. But I talk about some of the scientific data that is out there connected to worry and anxiety. And what I've realized is that worry and anxiety is not just an issue that like a certain demographic deals with. It's an issue that we all deal with, whether you're single or married, whether you're married with children or you're married without children, whether you're young or old, you live in America, you live in Africa, you live in Asia. We all deal with anxiety. It's a worldwide, you know, multi-demographic, multi-generational issue. And what I've realized is if we don't deal with anxiety, it will drive us into deeper depression, a deeper sense of hopelessness. And it'll drive our bodies into worse places. Our blood pressure, our headaches our constant. It can create ulcers on the inside. You can mess with all of your blood. It can like massively affect you in a bad way. And so one of the things I talk about in mind games is dealing with anxiety, whether it's as a parent, the fear of losing your child, the fear of um, things not working out. we, We went through a miscarriage, my wife and I, the fear of just... Like so many anxious thoughts. And the reality is we cannot control tomorrow. And I wanted to control. I wanted to control everything. And COVID and getting pregnant with our fifth child literally just broke my reality. It's like, I can't control. Like I cannot, I'm not gonna be able to control what happens to me, but I can control how I react and how I respond and how I think and how I allow my emotions to, to get. And if my emotions are all over the place and I'm having meltdowns every day, then I'm a worse husband to be around, I'm a worse dad for the other kids, I'm a worse coworker with other employees. So I realized I've got to take hold of my anxious thoughts and my emotions. So I talk about that in the book Mind Games, but I just encourage anyone who's out there listening, you're not alone in your anxiety and you're not you're not at a place where God can't pull you through a season where you feel like, Oh my gosh, I am overwhelmed as a parent, as a single person, as a pastor, as a leader, whatever it is you're facing. Um, there is a way out and there is a way forward. And there is a way to see to the other side of, of getting to a place where you're not so overwhelmed and you're actually excited. And you're like, wow, what I thought was going to end me actually is like the greatest gift and blessing God brought into my life. And that—that's what happened with us with Gianna. That's so cool. Sorry, I went down a long rabbit trail there.
1: No, it's the rabbit trail we needed. <laughs> <Well>,
0: okay, <good. laughs> it's good stuff. What else? What else do we want to end on today before we close out the Paulcast?
1: The Paulcast. Um, well, I mean, I have a very just advice question. As yeah, you know, I'm not a dad yet. Wanting to be a dad, but I have plenty Someday, of friends. Soon, I have plenty of friends who have gone to that dadhood. And that you, one thing you talked about earlier, which I want to circle back to, kind of my final question on parenthood here. Um, as you, whether it's for someone who's a new dad and the rest of their friends are no longer are not dads yet, or for the f- person who isn't a friend watching their friends become dads. How do you maneuver those friendship relationships that probably have to change a little Mm. bit as your priorities change? But you also don't necessarily want you know as a friend you're trying to balance that maybe if you're the one without a kid you're like why isn't my friend hanging out with me more he's got this kid yeah. or like if you're the one with the kid you're like i just don't my have time bro? yeah you're like bro where'd you go yeah. and he's like dude i have a baby you're like yeah. one baby i got two dogs what are you talking yeah, about like exactly. <laughs> yeah. but it, it is a big thing but how do you how have you found and mm. as you maneuver those relationships those friendships how have you and your friend group Um, communicated and maneuvered through those seasons? Well one I think it's real. I think all of our friendships change once
0: kids come in the picture and especially as the kids grow up and get older those friendships become less about the frequency of time spent together and more about the quality within the time that we get to spend Mm -hmm. together and I've found that my friendships who have that i have stayed close with through through the years of pre-marriage pre-children now five kids later those friendships have gotten stronger and deeper as we've navigated through the waters of spending less time together doing less friend hangouts or friend vacations together and i think part of it is like you gotta walk in um maturity as the friend on the other side of someone who has kids, you've got to be like, you know what? I may not hear from them for the next couple of weeks. I may not, uh, get an invite to go and hang out with them or go do what we did before. So I'm going to take the intentional effort to be in this season, the one that sends a text or a call That's and good. invites. And even if they say, no, I can't, I won't stop inviting. Mm-hmm. And I think just being that friend that says, even though they're saying no more now in this season of hanging out, it doesn't mean they don't want to. It just means they've got more on their plate. So I will try to be more understanding, more graceful, more secure in myself to go. It's not It's not because they don't want to be with me anymore. It's just that they're in a season where they need to lean in with their kids. And I'm thankful that there were friends like that with me and and vice versa. I remember... There was one guy I used to hang out with a ton, and he had kids before I did and before any of us did. And when he first had kids, he literally was like no to every hangout, no to every basketball game that I would invite him to come and play. He was part of a basketball team that I was on intramurals. And I was kind of like, bro, what's going on? Like, Why aren't you ever coming to shoot hoops anymore? Why aren't you ever going to the movies with us? Why? What? And he was like, dude, I have a child now, like I've got to be with my kid. And honestly, it bothered me at first kind of hurt my feelings. I was like, just because you have a kid doesn't mean you have to lose your friends. And then I realized like, the reality is he's not losing his friends. He's asking his friends to be graceful and mindful and secure enough that in this season, he's got to lean in with his kid more. But he still wants to be friends with me. He still wants to have an occasional hangout just not as much of the frequency as we used to have and so once I bended in that way of like flexibility maturity and would hang out in different ways the friendship got stronger we were able to navigate around you know when he needed to be there for his wife when he needed to be there for his kid his second kid and now I'm like on the other side I I totally get it Daniel (laughs) Henshaw has been that close best friend in my life Mm -hmm. since we were kids and I had kids way before him, but now that he has a kid, he totally gets it. He's like, bro, I'm so glad now seeing what you walk through and recognizing. And he, he embraced the maturity that our frequency of hangout was going to change with each kid. So he would sometimes just show up at my house because he knew I couldn't leave. He'd be like, bro, I'm going to come over. Let's watch this Dallas Cowboys game together. Let's watch this OU game together. And it meant so much because I was like – Instead of him having a pity party like you're not coming to hang out with me, he made the effort to come over. Wow. And he would bring a bowl of soup for me and Ashley or he would like he wasn't married yet. And so just thinking through if you're a friend to someone who's in that new season, um, taking that mature, humble approach to go, I'm going to be there for them as they're navigating, you know, children and all that.
1: Yeah, each friendship has different seasons and ebbs and flows, and sometimes one person might have the capacity to do the reaching out, and sometimes it's the other one, and there's grace with those relationships. 100%. That's awesome.
0: I'll say this, too, before we close out. Yeah. I shared this in my sermon on Sunday. We were in our series, Mind Games, and I talked about dethroning insecurity. One of the things that I think Christians, and I put myself in this category because I'm a Christian, that we struggle with, is we we are good at grieving with those who are grieving, but we're not the best at celebrating with those who are celebrating. Mm. Like we're really good at being there for someone who's in a crisis and they're down and they're discouraged. Like, oh, I can go and help them. I can love them. We lost a loved one this past week. I lost one of my good friends, Wayne Cates. Uh, He's a neighbor to me. He works on staff at the church. He's like someone who's helped our family a lot. We've been there for his family. And honestly, like, when his wife called and said please come to the hospital this last week we were there in a heartbeat it was like absolutely but I I think on the other side of that let's say they were to call and say like hey um we're pregnant with our fourth kid or hey Wayne got a promotion and he's going to be making half a million dollars because we just launched this side company business over here are we just as excited to come over to their house and celebrate with them during a season of excitement mm-hmm. as we are willing to show up at the hospital when there's a loss? Yeah. And I was challenged by that. And I was thinking, what puts us in an insecure place when one of our friends has a child, gets married, gets blessed, gets promoted ahead of us, uh, gets something that we wanted to get at a time that we wanted to have it, and they're having it first. And we're like, And I think it takes real maturity and security for believers to celebrate and come alongside and be happy for those who are experiencing what we want to experience before we experience it. I share about my friend Mike Todd, how he just blew up and I was threatened by his success and I shouldn't have been because it's not me versus him. It's me versus me. And god wants us to celebrate our brothers our sisters in whatever their things are whether it's more impact more influence or a baby or marriage or a new you know house or uh their kid just you know got a scholarship to college whatever that is that we would be just as much there for them in those high moments as we are there for them in the low moments and vice versa sometimes we're good at being there in the high moments and we forget to be there for them in their low moments and this all comes back to mind games like when i'm healthy on the inside i'm a lot healthier as a friend on the outside yeah but if i'm insecure jealous threatened angry at god disappointed why haven't i gotten married yet why haven't i had you know my promotion yet why haven't i seen the breakthrough in my thing and hear this person succeeding it's harder for me to be there for them celebrate them be a good friend so it requires really like being healthy on the inside emotionally mentally to be a good friend on the outside and to walk with people through their highs and their lows, their mountaintop moments or their hospital moments. And um, so anyways, I say all that to just say, whether you are the person that's experiencing newfound joy because you just got pregnant or you just got married or you just got promoted, or you're the pastor at the church that you've been dreaming of pastoring one day, or you just launched a company and everything's taking off. Great, that's awesome enjoy that success don't be shy about that also when one when one of your friends has one of those same things be there for them celebrate with them be just as happy for them especially when you're not going through it because that makes you even more secure and strong and mature and it's a healthy crucible to go through that and go god while you're blessing them with these things that i was praying for in my own life help me to be just as happy for them as i would be sympathizing if they were going through a loss Um, so anyways, I know we went long today.
1: No, that's great. I mean, it's a good challenge. It's a good challenge for me, even as you're talking, I'm thinking through all my friendships and I'm like, have I been there in the low moments and the high moments? And it's good. I just, you know, I want to be a good friend and make sure I'm celebrating when my friends are celebrating and not just thinking about the low moments only. And so I think it's a good challenge. Even I'm thinking through it in my relationships and how I can be a better friend, so. Good well, stuff I've been today. there. I've
0: been there. And yeah, I think I, I, Mike and I, we were laughing because he was like, There have been times where I'll post my excitement that God has blessed our family and our church in some way, or I've released a new book. And he's like, It's like crickets on social media. Wow. There's like a thousand people that like it. And then he's like, Then I'll post about my son's autism and how painful it's been. And there's like 150,000 likes. Like, People are naturally going to be more sympathetic with our pain Mm -hmm. than they are going to be celebratory with our achievements and our promotions and success, and that's part of life. Um, But I do think the church overall, believers overall, individuals, we can get better at being both celebratory with people's highs and sympathetic with people's lows and walking with them through that. Um, And then I'll just say this last thing we could close out. We're headed into, I think, a very intense year worldwide for the church, but specifically in America. This is election year. It's 2024. We're seeing on the news this uptick of criticism towards evangelicals, Christians, the church overall at large. The world is watching how the church will maneuver and navigate through this political season and climate of this upcoming election. And I think we've got to be... Very um, careful to walk that line of uh, being in the world, but not of the world. That our main focus is going to be on becoming more like Jesus, allowing Jesus to work in us and through us to, to remove anything that's not of him in our hearts and lives so we can become more like him. Whether it is as a dad, as a husband, as a friend, as a pastor, leader, whatever you do in life, But then also just not to get pulled into the mind games of divisive conversations, divisive moments with people that we would stay in that path of humility, that path of maturity, that we're going to take a higher road, we're not going to get into fights and arguments with people, and we're going to walk in love. And so I'm like focused this year, the mind games I want to win are the games of like, surrender. To God in every situation, like Lord, just keep me on that altar of surrender. If I stay there, I'm gonna make it. If I don't, then you know I'm I'm not in the right place, and I need to. Thankfully, God always gives us time to get into that place of surrender. So, love y'all, Paul Cast. Stay tuned. Anything else, Zach? No, we're diving in. Episode three done, and we're gonna keep going. Yeah, and we're gonna have episodes of interviews with um, the pastors from. Victory Conference. I'll be sitting down with Bob Goff, uh, having a conversation with him about life, leadership, love, his book. We'll be sitting down with Bill Johnson from Bethel. We'll be sitting down with the worship leaders, Meredith, Andrew, and Ryan Horton, talking about worship and talking about just ministry and anointing versus, uh, you know, a lot of different things. We'll talk about can you Can you flow in the anointing even as a human flawed person? We're going to ask them some tough questions. And then we'll talk with Keon Henderson, Sammy Rodriguez. It's going to be a powerful next few episodes of conversations with leaders and pastors on the podcast. So stay tuned. We'll talk all things life, love, ministry, family, everything. Much love. God bless you.